Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Pod of the Gaps, the podcast which seeks to plug the gaps between the church and the culture. My name is Aaron Edwards. I'm joined by the great Andy Bannister, uh, sitting in his wooden shed in his garden, glorified as a hobbit house. How are you, Andy? I am. I am. I am doing well. As I say, it is a it is a slightly warmer day in the hobbit house uh, in the garden, but um, yes, there is a, there is much to be excited uh, about, isn't there? Is there? <laughs> I don't know. I realized that was a very nondescript introduction. I am. Um, I was awake for ninety minutes in the night, so I've still got a bit of a cough. It's, cold it's almost like a, a politician's so sort of manifesto. I've got loads of things up my sleeve. The policy is really, definitely going to be exciting. Just vote for me, and it will be exciting. Don't worry. Yes, okay. and of course, as we record this, well, this is a topic for another time. This is a very exciting time in, in British politics, isn't it? With um, particularly within Scottish politics. Uh, oh yes, kind of right now with uh, all kinds of exciting things going on related to issues we talked about in the last podcast. Yes, um, that's but right. Let the reader understand. Yes, <laughs> that's right. What but we're, we're not covering this? Nicola Sturgeon and transgender issues today, are we? We are doing something no. else, I think. Mr. No, that's Andrew. right. We are. We are. Uh, we're doing actually an issue which um, I took a bit of convincing that this is actually a proper gap for part of the gaps to cover. It's beards, isn't it? Be honest, it is. that's well, what we're going to talk about. I mean, to be honest, that, there's a lot in the Bible about beards. There's the shaving off of the beards, guys, in the Old Testament. There's obviously Aaron's beard, Aaron's the oil, beard. the image of church unity, etc. So I think we will do an episode on beards if enough listeners say, we need a theology of beards, please. Um, but we're not doing beards. We are going to do instead something that does cause a lot of division in yes. culture. The reason I wasn't sure is because I I'm not sure people, Christians ought to or know they ought to have a particular view on this so it's a bit of a a few steps removed mm. and we're kind of asking about uh talking about kind of government policy per se but it is immigration okay so this it is controversial because it does raise issues i think it is good that we're doing it but i kind of was reticent at first just thinking mm. well is this actually a kind of thing that christians need to have a very strong opinion on but because it it tends to kind of for want of a better, a better analogy, it comes in on a boat of 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 some. I saw other, that was I see what you did there. Yeah, you see that. You I see, see that, what that, you I'm, did there. I've been spending too much time with you. Um, it, it does seem to kind of sneak its way in in some other way, but of some other political issue. So immigration tends to be a kind of placeholder for other mm. issues, and people attack certain political positions um, that come under that that kind of frame. So mm. it does link into for me wider issues about multiculturalism. And things like that. So I do think it's a huge thing, and it does cause issues. And some churches have no thought on it. Some are super um, left on the issue, and then there's hardly anyone that's kind of right. I would say on the issue, in both senses of the word. Um, and so that's an interesting thing, just to yes. kind of kick around for a bit. So yeah, you, but you, you're kind of. I mean, you're clearly Andy. Obviously, well, really want to do this because he's really big on. He's a well, BMC, it's also tricky, isn't you know. it? Because I mean, the other thing I'm conscious of, Aaron, is even those terms that we use, left and right. Mm. They mean different things to different yes. people. Yeah. They mean different things on different parts of the world. So American mm. listeners to this show will probably have a particular perception of what left and right mean. Mm. Like everything in the in the US gets categorized in uh in, in those terms. I mean I even read a book uh, that argued that the that the part of your body that you, you sit on mm. needs to skew more towards Biden in politics. That was the <laughs> the, 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 the uh, left behind series. <laughs> there we go. Sorry, I just had to <laughs> even at this early. That idea popped into my mind. I was like, I've got to set that. That, that joke. You've got to no, get that out. That's not about Marcus Bottoms, is it? Um, no. no, this is yeah. that whole piece. Um, but the other thing, before we even get into the the specific of migration, uh, and the way you introduce that, I think intrigues me because 
this is this is a gap in some ways that we don't mm. think theologically about that. Mm. Um, and the danger when you don't do that, when the headlines are dominated for a, you mm. know, a week or two with with issues, like um, in the states, it's obviously been what's gone on on the border of Mexico keeps yeah. coming round. Yeah. Here in the UK, it's the it's the English Channel and the you know tens of thousands of particularly young young men coming in in boats ac- across mm. that. Uh, yeah. Away into the country, yeah. and when that's on the headlines, if as a Christian you're going to say, oh, "I'm not going to think about this," yeah. then it seems a bit odd that our faith can't apply to the issues of the day. Because as I read yeah. scripture, I see that it it can. Um, but then the other danger that creeps in is what all that happens if there's a gap is that people don't think theologically, and so what they then do is they just baptize their theological positions. Yes. So if you are somebody who who leans more. Again, I don't like to use the word left and right. If you lean more towards the kind of welcome everybody, let's hug everybody, and and that's your natural mm. sort of where you would stand politically, yeah, yeah. then you baptize that theologically, and you'll start yeah, finding sure. precedent for that. Yeah. Um, if you're somebody who's a bit more nation states matter and borders yes. matter, that they're there for a, for for a reason, you're going to lean otherwise. Rather than yeah. people stop and go, okay, gosh, this is a complex one because it ties yeah. into so many other things. What are some of the principles that we might use? So mm. I think. I think there's a whole number of concerns yeah. I have that, that Christians... No, I think, and then I lastly, think, yeah, I say, back, yeah. I'll throw this back to you for your comment mm-hmm. on this, is that, again, you get some Christians, some denominations, some individual Christian celebrities who, you know, this has become another sort of, you know, cause celebra that you use to build platform. Um, so uh-huh. like our established church here, the Anglican Church, I think are terrified of saying anything controversial, especially given all that's going on around sexuality. So what's safe? And during yeah. COVID, it was wear face masks and follow government guidance. And the archbishop yeah. was regularly saying that. And now lots of you know Anglican leaders are like, yeah. oh, welcome refugees and, yeah, yeah. and so on and so forth, because they know that will get them lots of thumbs up from the BBC, lots of thumbs up from much of the media. Um, and then again, you know, some certain Christian celebrities, I think, I mean, this is the thing they've hung their, you know, mm. their flag mm. on. And that saddens me because without meaning to, perhaps, you end up treating people as as, as means rather than ends. You're not really mm. perhaps as interested in the individual stories as you might be claiming, or you mm. risk that. You're, mm. you're interested in this is how I can get a hearing in, yeah. in culture without getting shot at in the culture wars. I pick a nice, yeah. safe issue. Like, Absolutely. Like, Refugees yeah. or kittens; those are the two. You can pay <laughs> that's for. right. We really advocate for kittens. We kittens, could do an yeah. episode on that's another gap. Kittens and boats. On. Political political opinion on kittens. Yeah, um, that's exactly. Catastrophe. So, <laughs> that's good. That's very good. Um, he's a good punslinger, isn't he? Our, our Andy Bannister here. On I thought it was very poor. Um, well, for you, from your start, what, what I mean is, when I say good punslinger, I mean like quick, bad, always bad, but like quick, quick bad. So quick. you know. A bit like when a cat goes to the toilet quickly, you know, something bad has come out, but it happened quickly. So anyway, um, moving swiftly on. Moving on, but let's get away from... Moving away from cat litter. Um, we, we Basically, I, th- I think you're right that there's an issue here of um, Christians who, in the media, who want to be yeah, well-liked. That's just a problem. That's a problem with evangelicalism. It's why evangelicalism is in such a state in the, in the UK, at least, I think America has the US has a broader spectrum, actually, because because there are more Christians and there's more evangelicals amongst those Christians. Um, but those who are are seeking to yeah win the public via speaking about certain issues that the public already think are great, and then trying to make it sound like oh look, um, Christians can do this too, but we just don't do it quite as well as the world does it. It's kind of embarrassing and fairly desperate 
and that's kind of the state we're in. I don't think necessarily, it doesn't necessarily mean that the people who are advocating, let's say, for the cause of migrants are cynically using them in order to um, just to prop up their platform. Um, but at the same time, um, it definitely must come into it. And, and you can see there's this sort of issue of, of maybe, um, yeah, they're not actually thinking through the longer term implications. So sometimes I think people get seduced by all that media attention. If you do so many interviews on BBC News or on the radio or something, and there certainly there seems to be a kind of sense in which the um, the interviewers are really liking your position, saying how great you are. Isn't it so great that some advocating this position? And you just don't happen to talk about the fact that you have all these other views, which that presenter isn't going to like so much. Um, I think that's kind of an issue. So it's just a tricky game. I know there's diplomacy required. You can't go guns blazing on every issue. But this would be one of those where I'm slightly dubious, as you say, yeah. about intentions or motivations, even if they're sort of so far below the surface that the person hasn't quite mm. realized that they've made their name by speaking about safe issues, basically. Yeah, and I think it's just worth teasing that out slightly before we perhaps dig into some of the, the specific you know, sort of issues around around migration as an example, Aaron. I mean, I can... Maybe yeah. I mean, I was sort of directing what I said earlier, but I can, I have, I have some kind of sympathy because if you, you know, you appear if you're a if you're a Christian personality or a bishop or whatever, and you appear on BBC or mm. you know whatever it is, and to talk about migration, you know, because you care about that and you tweeted some things. Um, now you've got a question here to, in your mind, don't you? you? In the back of your head is going to be the thought: if I mention the word Jesus too strongly. Or anything gospel related. If I said, yeah. for example, something like, and one of the great opportunities in, in welcoming refugees is a wonderful opportunity to share the love of Christ uh, to, to, to with them, you mm. know, oh, there's a danger, isn't there? The, the the host might go, well, hang on, are you saying as a Christian that you think Muslims need to change their faith? It's the truth, <laughs> there's a whole can of worms. I mean, it's only 8 a.m. in the morning. You've only had one cup of coffee. Um, <laughs> if you don't do that at all, if you just say, yeah, we should look after people and care for people, and open food banks and welcome people in. I mean, no one really, unless you've got a right wing frothing the mouth journalist, is going to turn around and go, wow, are you, you're insane. They're yeah, going to go, oh, yeah. that's wonderful. Isn't that fantastic? And you feel good. You feel affirmed. And you have, and the adrenaline needle has not even entered the orange zone, let alone the red mm -hmm. zone. Or, I mean, heaven forbid, you mentioned Jesus and the, and the church, even the word church, if you're not careful. And someone says, oh, you only mentioned church while you're here. Let's talk <laughs> about. Um, you know, the, the same sex. And I think one of the examples of this par excellence for me, it wasn't the migration issue, but, but Rob Bell, mm. everyone's favourite orthodox uh, theologian, um, <clears throat> Rob, Rob Bell, who is now sort of, you know, skipping through the, the strange pastures of goodness knows what theology. Um, but when he was not quite as odd theologically, yeah. I think it was when Love Wins came yeah. out, when that book came out, he did a media interview uh, with uh, Martin Bashir, um, very well-known journalist, now slightly well-known for more controversial things because yeah. he was involved in manipulating some of the famous Princess Diana interview when he was a young journalist. But later yeah. on in life, he interviews Rob Bell. And so Rob obviously goes on to Martin's show thinking it's going to be great. We're going to talk about my book, which is all about love, and love is wonderful. Everyone likes love. Yeah. They love and kittens and cake. Um, and Martin, Welcome to kittens. Welcome to kittens. <laughs> and Martin opens the interview after the, you know, thank you for being on the show. He's like, oh, so right. Um... Rob, you're a Christian pastor. Um, you believe in a God who is good and all powerful. Well, what about the horrendous suffering in the world? And there's some, you know, natural disaster on the page. Well, you know, where was God in that? And you could just see Rob look like a like a kitten in the headlights. Actually, they run a deer in the headlights. No <laughs> the idea. Keep coming back. Utter, yeah, utter yeah. terror. Yeah. Um, and just totally mangles it. Even though that's like theology 101. You know, yeah. you cannot have gone through 
theological training to be a pastor without having done something around the issue of suffering because you'll be dealing with people mm. who are. And then I thought that was the textbook example of someone who's gone on, has only ever met sympathetic media to this point. Everyone's gone, oh, it's wonderful. You're a liberal pastor. We love those. And he'd met Martin, uh, who had a bit more teeth. And so on this mm. issue, then, I can understand why, mm. you know, people who get on the media to talk about it yeah. don't bring the Jesus yeah. piece in. So the first thing I'd say is Christians, we have to connect it not just to, to hospitality. We've got mm. to connect it to the, to mm. the gospel. Mm. You know, when we welcome people, it is to show Christ to them. You know, the gospel says this. You know, Jesus said, when you, know, if you, when, when you give someone a cup of water in the name of Christ. So, you know, to mm. me, the absolute ground level for mission is whatever you're going to do in terms of the, you know, yeah. welcoming refugees and strangers and aliens, do it in the name of Christ. Make sure they know yeah. why you're doing it. Yeah. Um, and the fairness, so I, I, I'm <clears throat> sure people try to say that they're doing that. So those who are advocating on the, uh, let's say, politically left, welcome everyone kind of side of the migrant crisis, crises, um, they are trying, the Christians are trying to say, this is what Jesus would do when he says, welcome the stranger, etc. And the Good Samaritan, etc. So, like they're trying to do that, and I even think probably Rob Bell, when he's speaking about love in general, is probably thinking, yes, this is because this is what Jesus does. He loves it because it's his own skewed version of how of how Jesus is and how he how he functions and how he, you know, basically ignoring a lot of the other stuff Jesus said. And probably he had actually come across some challenging views that came against him many times in his life. But he probably thought because I'm in a so called secular context on the media i'm not going to get some hardball questions here and martin bashir happened to be a christian who was asking him things from a, of a more orthodox perspective so it was kind of interesting to see that kind of blow up but i guess uh, yeah maybe listeners might be thinking well, well they're talking about people who hold views on immigration um to- tiptoeing around it like good politicians but what about the actual issue itself so how do we yes. get into what we think about it and obviously our own experience um, of of this observing this issue politically and maybe even experiencing it in some of our communities will be from a UK perspective as you mentioned Andy there's this is a problem right across uh, the western world um, in many um, different ways and has different forms but in a way it takes the same sort of logic it's the same political logic that that sets in it tends to be the people who are politically on the right who are arguing for protection of their culture protection of their borders um, and concern for the economy and it tends to be those who are on the further left politically mm. and then probably theologically as well if we're, if we're extending that to the church to, to those who say let's just welcome everyone and that should be our modus operandi and then and then we'll sort mm-hmm. it out and i don't even obviously i'm sure there's people who are on the left who are like so no we're not saying welcome everyone per se without proper checks etc we just think there should be an attitude or a posture of compassion and then the christians go well, isn't that what Jesus cares about anyway? Shouldn't we be saying that's a great thing? And isn't it interesting that the West has been influenced by Christianity? Therefore, we have this compassion mantra. And that's why the people are kind of coming this way, because they think, well, those guys will let me in. So how do we sort of deal with that Mm. tricky area, especially when, if you have a view that is politically right, it does tend to be, you must be kind of a bad person if you care about, I mean, even just even the phrase immigration, if you're in a conversation and you brought up the problem of immigration, if you overheard someone having that conversation, quite often you end up, oh, is that is that person a kind of alt-right, kind of mean-spirited person? Which doesn't seem right, does it? When you look at the issue politically, yes. it's just like logical sense that you can't have. It amuses me. Borders. One of the reasons I, I smile at I smile at that as well, Aaron is is I mean, obviously the whole left-right thing. I, I, I we we sure. touched on briefly at the top of the show. I find fascinating. I'm I'm not even sure where I am, mm. but personally. 
mm. on that. You know, in my own sort of journey through things, I have literally voted for all the mainstream political parties here, the three main ones in my time. I'm, I'm the classic floating voter. I've been a member of both the Conservative Party and the Labour Party yeah. um, in my in my time. So I'm a real classic, you know, in the middle, ping-ponging somewhere. Yeah, somewhere left or right around, uh, You haven't quite gone as far centre. as going far left or far... You know, you go, I know, I, would, I haven't gone far either. Far either left, way. far right would be fun. And now, of course, you know, for those of us in the centre, who on earth we... We vote for, and of course, I always like to be cheeky and go. I'm actually, I'm, 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 I also reflect. I'm married to an, to the children to a child of immigrants. My hmm. my wife's mother, mother was Swedish, so you know came yeah. over came over here. And that was within European stuff, but still, yeah, an immigrant. And then I also laugh at the the, the person I know who is the strongest on who's the strongest language I know among my sort of wider circle of acquaintances on immigration is a second generation Pakistani immigrant who lives in right. London, right? And uh, and he would. His critique, and it was interesting the first time I heard this when he said something, and I remember going, "What?" And he went, "Well, because he said my concern is my parents' generation who came here in the fifties. Mm. They came here and they worked really hard. They didn't just turn up and expect freebies and and handouts. And it was mm. not easy. They were, you know, mm. they they had to work hard. There was poverty. There was much more racism. It was tough. Yep. They worked really hard. And he said, and I've had to work really hard. He'd be the first of his sort of family group who went to university mm. and stuff. And he said, my frustration now the part of london i live you know you've got this sort of more more than newer wave coming over and stuff who he said to, to him as a pakistani don't give that impression they're there to yeah they're there to do that same journey but really to to get what they can now and i i find myself pushing back on him and going hey whoa whoa whoa, yeah, whoa yeah. Tariq, that's just a little that's a little bit so, but it's interesting so the perception that you have to be white and a right winger yeah, I, mean, I don't actually I don't know who he votes for. I suspect he probably does vote conservative. Um, yeah. but there you go. You have a second generation Pakistani, so it shows that the issues are more are more complicated. And I suppose the reason I think the, the immigration issue more broadly, people struggle with it, Aaron, is it is an issue where there isn't a, there isn't an easy answer. You know, yeah, some issues I think right. there are. Um, I think things like the you know the transgender and the gay marriage stuff people may not like what the answer is but i think there are some actually much clearer answers it's, it's morally straightforward isn't it that's the morally difference. straightforward. here it's the balance right of going we are commanded to welcome the stranger yeah and the alien and uh, the refugee as christians jesus was a refugee some of our, our friend yeah. our mutual sort of friend yeah. acquaintance krish Kandia, who's done you know done a lot of work on this as a christian he's done some interviews on bbc isn't he yeah, and stuff. You know, he would play push all those lines. He was in the Church Times recently, and I'd agree yeah. with all of them. The balancing piece, though, is what do you do when resources are limited? The fact that here in the UK, our NHS is is just at, at collapse point. Our mm. transport system is in crisis. We have a housing crisis because we're not building enough. So there really are only two solutions to squaring that circle. You either need less migration or you need to be building a huge amount more resources but mm. the well, you can't take the middle ground of going well we want we we want to we want to keep everything as it is yeah. we don't want to start building you know new towns and the cotswolds and we don't yeah. want our inner cities to be more crowded with tower blocks and everything but yeah. we also want to be allowing 40 50 60 000 people coming across the channel alone each yeah. year plus all the exactly all the ones that come yeah. the other way and then the other piece as well to throw loads at you and then you're the yeah. field agent you can sort sure. this out the other nagging doubt i've had growing for some years is that again i'll be very careful here because not Mm. everyone who's on the migration issue would be in this position but migration can become what i call a hashtag justice issue yeah exactly. you can tweet about it and retweet people about it yeah and you know put a sticker on the back of the car and maybe even give a few quid once a month to 
you know, I don't know, whatever charity is, is working in your, in, in your chosen area. Mm-hmm. But you don't, doesn't have to do anything. On the other yeah. hand, round the corner from where you live may well be a homelessness problem. You know, you may, yeah. your city may have a big drugs yeah. problem. People sleeping, people sleeping rough, real poverty, food banks and not enough stuff and all this mm. right under your nose. And mm. I sometimes think those are the unsexy yeah. areas of, uh, of poverty because you're not going to get thousands of retweets if you go and drop a few cans off at the, um, yeah. at the local food bank. Yeah. But if you phrase the right thing, you know, poking fun at the government and how heartless they are, yeah. um, that can get you lots of yeah. traction. It's, it's and, really easy, yeah. How, how do we make sure that we help the people nearer to us? And I think I actually think we have a we have a duty to them, Aaron. First, I think I do think there's concentric circles of of care. Our responsibility yeah. begins with our own family and our kids, and then it moves outwards. Mm. And yes, it includes my, migration and further mm. flung parts of the world. Um, yeah. But it, our, 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 our primary duties are perhaps earlier down those. Yeah. There's of circles, and it's interesting. I don't, I, doing, I don't know. I'm doing a circle action on the screen because we're only recording the audio. But there we and are. They're also not even circles. You're doing a kind of, you know, horizontally it goes wide, like a, like a lens that kind of expands like left and right. You're, oh, you're expanding the Overton window. You're becoming more extreme, Andy. You're going left and right simultaneously. You're going to vote for the English Defence League, and I don't know who who is the fir- who's the far oh the Green Party maybe on the on the furthest left. Are they the furthest left? Uh, I was going to say earlier. You mentioned something about trans. Uh, I thought when you said trans, the transport issue, um, I thought you were referring to trans. So I was like, then I thought this is the kind of pun Andy would make a transport, a transport okay. issue. There's not so enough, fortifi- no, there's not enough fortified red wine uh, for people who identify. As or, yeah, exactly. Or it's like a kind of a port where you're trying to kind of people are coming in who are trans. How can we get more trans people into the country? And the funny thing that does actually link is that one of the issues that people have raised oh, yes. about the asylum seeking, pro- the asylum seeker process. So we have, let me see where the stat is. It's something like, um, 127,000 unresolved cases of asylum in the UK. That's a lot of people kind of milling around who aren't allowed legally to work for 12 months uh, while they're here. And so a significant amount of, of cases, well over 100,000, that are not resolved within the first six months. So you've got six months at least of guys, just mostly young men, uh, just milling around. And of course, there's dangers of people getting involved in kind of underground crime. That isn't just like a slur that people make up. That is actually a thing. And so what's the likelihood that you are going to be more likely if you are a virtuous young man from Albania who's come in and, and maybe have and the best intentions in the world of, of fleeing, well, not really fleeing a crisis because you've nothing horrendous going on in Albania compared to other nations, but nonetheless coming here for um, a kind of a better life and maybe to contribute to the economy and society, uh, you're likely to, if you're milling around for that amount of time, kind of get in with some kind of unhelpful crowds if you weren't in one already when you came, um, aside from the fact that the whole process of them arriving here is itself illegal. So there's all this issue. And one of the issues that, that happens when when people kind of uh, kind of face the bureaucracy of like the different um, levels of kind of process and in, in investigation i've spoken to asylum seekers our church does quite a lot at reaching mm. asylum seekers we have them coming in and out of various church programs we do we have meals for them and things like that and you know going on walks with groups of them and stuff it's really good to kind of chat to them and you never quite know where they're at some are perfectly happy to talk about their like illegal activity i, I don't i don't know if they just 
these are Christians. They they don't mind about this stuff. I don't know what it is, but it's interesting. Others are kind of you. You're really always trying to guess the motivation. Sometimes the language isn't quite up, and that you're speaking broken English. But it's really interesting to see how some of them try to game the system to make it go longer. Some of them are just trying to get through the system, and the system is causing them loads of problems. But the worst thing I've heard is that some people can uh, be rejected, and they're kind of up for deportation, and then they can say, "Oh, actually, I'm trans." Um, and if I go back to my home country, so they know, there are loopholes of like, if, if you say you're trans or if you say you're gay, then you can legitimately say, well, back home, I'll be a victim of transphobia or homophobia. Whereas in this lovely, wonderful, you know, kitten stroking rainbow land of the UK, um, I'll be accepted. And so therefore there's a moral, there becomes a moral issue for the UK society to go, okay, wow, we can't send this person back. And then they, what if they got attacked in their home nation? So suddenly there's this kind of, um, heartstring issue which could be a genuine issue genu- you know, if this is a genuine problem but you know that there's also people who know how to game the system they're telling each other this and that, that's an issue so yes yeah, so maybe the idea of a transport is not such a bizarre no. uh, thing in the end so yeah it's a strange thing isn't it because those kind of issues do come in so these issues we think are that's why i was saying earlier this it, this issue kind of carries other issues with it it's connected to the other issues we see in as in our multicultural society well you mentioned multiculturalism there. You see, one of the things that I think um, also ties into the um, the immigration issue, and we did touch on this at the start, is the whole multicultural piece. And there's two mm. there's two things there mm. um, that intri- – well, maybe more than two things, but two things that immediately I think are worth batting around for a, for a few minutes, Aaron. Mm. The first is that – and I saw this when I lived in Canada. It was where I first noticed this. And actually, when I left Canada in – 2016 it was beginning to be talked a bit a bit bit more in the wider press not just one branch of the press Mm. which is that immigration you tend to be bringing not exclusively but you tend to bringing much more conservative people into your your country Mm. you know so Mm. this country we have lots of muslims lots of folks from from eastern europe and so on and much more traditional societies and you get there's very strange therefore sort of incongruity that, yeah. you know, voices, particularly in the media, you notice this, like something like The Guardian here, our, mm. our most left-wing mm. mainstream British newspaper, which would be, you know, absolutely, you know, be, it would be woke central for all the sexuality and other kind of issues. But they're also very, very pro, you know, migration. I'm not sure it's fair to characterise them as they want, you know, no borders and totally uncontrolled. But if you look at what happens, the people coming across those borders and throwing migration would look at those other issues there mm. and go, what on earth are you thinking about? Now, we've seen the same in the US, of course. You know, I think in previous presidential elections, there's been an assumption yeah. that, you know, black Americans will all vote Democrat because, yeah. you know, we're pro-diversity. And yeah. it actually turns out that, you know, when you dive into those numbers of people who voted for Trump and just, I shouldn't need to put the footnote, but I have no time particularly uh, for that particular for that particular lunatic, I think I have a plague on everyone's houses. You just lost all of our right. Trump supporters. Now, yeah, I am sorry. I'm doing? not a Trump fan. I'm not a Biden fan. I'm like, can we just press a reset button and get someone who's normal, <laughs> mid forties, married, two point four children, <laughs> said sensible things on either. Anyway, <clears throat> my point vote for Andy Bannister. Vote for me. Well, I'm not mid forties anymore. But when you oh, dove, yeah. dive into the stats, wasn't it fascinating that you saw this? That loads of Hispanics and loads of Black Americans voted. Mm. for trump yeah and they did so when you talk to them because it was because they perceived the democrats had gone mad on the woke yeah. stuff yeah. and i think we're seeing the same realignment here the reason that the conservative party yeah. won the last election was not in part was, was in part that lots of tra- more traditional working class communities went what you want to lock up male rapists in a woman's yeah. prison because they yeah. just happened to say i'm feeling like a girl yeah. um 
So there's that piece. Mm. And then the other multicultural piece, Aaron, that I think gets avoided as the elephant in the room is the Islam of course. piece. I, you know, I was mentioning before we, we, we started recording, I've got a friend who's a youth worker in a sort of medium-sized town in Hertfordshire. So that's a, a part of the UK, about 20, 25 miles outside London. Mm. Um, he does a lot of stuff in schools. And so he talks to thousands of young people a week as a youth worker. And he said, you know, my work has been shaped profoundly by the fact that 26% of the young people in that town are Muslim. Mm. And, and of those Muslims in the schools, mm. you know, probably, a, a, you know, a good 10, 15% are not radicalized because they're not, they're not that politically extremists, but they're theological extremists. So they're, yeah. they're overdosing on Zakir Naik and he's a very loud mouth, very anti-Christian Muslim apologist. So it's in RE classes. He said, the stuff you get heckled with. And the yeah. poor Christian kids haven't got a clue how to respond to this. Yeah. The yeah. teachers haven't. Um, and he said, and so there's been no thought given as to how, you know, when you allow 25%, 26% of a, of a demographic to become Muslim, that there'd be no knock-on effects. I do ministry from time to time in Tower Hamlets in London, one of the most Muslim parts of London. Um, the number of, the amount of Muslim migration has changed things profoundly. Now, don't, people listening to this don't hear me wrong i love engaging with muslims i i lean more to seeing this as an opportunity mm. but my frustration Mission. is that is that voices in the church who are pro-migration are not talking about if we are going to say we need more lots of migration and we need to be a very welcoming country yeah. then i would love to see those voices i'd love to see i'm going to name krish khan khan dear um you know krish is a good guy but I'd love to see Chris going right. And with this goes not just hospitality. With this goes our churches need to be training people in mission. We need to be training people in Islam. We need to be teaching people how to reach this community for Christ. Mm. And it's going to need work because it's a cross-cultural mission field right here in our town. No one does that. Mm. And instead, I think you see a lot of the larger church, established churches are just talking about the issues that were issues 40 years ago. Yeah. And you meet Christians who are like, well, most of my friends at school or work are, are, are Muslim or Hindu or yeah. Buddhist or from somewhere else. And I don't even know where to start. Yeah, yeah. And we're that, not putting the mission work in alongside the call mm, for hospitality. That's, that's a good point, Andy. And I think I think um, this is where we can go wrong, really, because we can the language of hospitality is really <coughs> winsome to many Christians. And of course, we have biblically such a strong tradition, obviously Israel, of welcoming the sojourner. Um, so, so though Israel has a really defined, uh, you know, national status and actually kind of law, you know, laws and kind of exhortations against intermarriage, even with non-Israelites uh, and, and going after the gods of other nations, that kind of thing. It's a really close kind of control, obviously, but it's also that love and welcoming of the sojourner, recognizing that you were once sojourners. Um, and that kind of go, goes right through. And so, of course, the church, then opening out to all these nations, uh, the wonderful vision of the nations, we shouldn't be um, monocultural in our approach as the church. So it is a really wonderful thing to, to open out. And so the, there's a good biblical multiculturalism um, which which we should foster, which is germane to the gospel. There's also, as you said, the, there's the woke multiculturalism, which can sound like the biblical multiculturalism, and it isn't. And it can basically make people feel that they must be bigots if they want, if they care about anything in their own culture and want to sort of protect it in any way. <clears throat> um, and that's a really, it's a really hard challenge. That's why you say it's a really thorny issue because it can be a clear. It might seem like a clear moral issue. Welcoming people is a clear moral issue welcoming those who are in need is a clear moral issue it shouldn't be hard for a christian to go i should help this person but when we're talking about advising the government on policy or whether or not we should lobby the government to change how they go about it it's the how that's the problem um, and there's also moral issues on whether letting people into your country under illegal 
um, purposes is a good idea or not is that a good is that a clear moral issue that you just let people pay three and a half grand to some bad human trafficker to send them across the, the channel and they might die uh, on the way there or whatever or pay some guy to put them in the back of a lorry these are significant issues that people just don't really even think about so even thinking about the um the american situation with trump with trump um, even if our Trump listeners have now, you know, turned off the many they've thousands. All, they've all turned they've off. All, they've all gone. Um, but the whole yeah. thing, I often thought, you know, we're, we're looking at it kind of almost a little bit, this is a bit mean for American listeners because you're kind of really going through the political issues personally. But sometimes in the UK, we can, it was almost like entertainment because you're kind of like, this is crazy. There's the kind of Republican nominee who then becomes the um, presidential nominee and then the president who've been saying all the way along, I'm going to build a wall and Mexico is going to pay for it. And we're just like, this just seems outlandish and bizarre. And of course, easy to laugh at. But then actually, when I, I thought about it a bit more, I thought, okay, it does sound a bit mean to build a wall, right? And does seem maybe even economically not a great idea. But what else, what do you want? Do you, you already have border controls there? Like, do you want to protect the borders of your nation against people who would come in illegally or not? So it's like, should you just literally get rid of all the controls and go, let's just have anyone come in and out? Because if otherwise we'll seem really mean if we really want to like keep people out. We do want to keep people out. Like, everyone wants to keep certain people out of their nation. I literally don't believe people if they say, or they haven't thought about it enough, if they literally think <clears> that <throat> everyone should be welcomed in any way at, under any circumstances. Clearly that's not what you know, pro- um, uh, or anti-immigration um, people are saying, but there are it's just an element of the logic to it of of just let's just put this big Christian welcome everyone hospitality banner up, probably rainbow coloured, um, and then nothing else matters about the specifics. So obviously you do need to have these controls, and, and the people obviously there are nuanced positions who are trying to to say, oh yeah, of course we're going to send away the really bad guys, and we're just going to try and work out who they are. It'll only take you know three years or something for the for us to work it out, and it'll cost thirteen and a half thousand pounds a year of the public money per head to actually work that out if we even get there in the end. So it, they really, it, like, you know, as the is it many people have been saying, you know, the the system is maybe broken, maybe there's something that needs to be reformed. Um, and so Christians responding to it, it's not an easy thing. So as you yeah. say, Andy, there's the multicultural thing. And then there's also the mission thing, which I think, you know, it's easy for mm. the likes of Christian guy to talk about mission probably in that hospitality general sense. But really, it would be great to talk about it evangelistically. That would be, make me trust some of these voices a bit, a bit more if they're saying, I'd really love to convert some Muslims. It'd be really great. So again, like I mentioned, our church does some really good missional stuff where we're welcoming, doing welcome boxes for asylum seekers, non-discriminating. So they're here now. So like whatever your view on immigration, whether they should have gotten through anyway, like whether there should be tighter controls or not, once they're here, churches do have a responsibility not to be like Gestapo-esque, presumably just go, right, let me just get you. They're in the system in some way. They're not kind of illegal because our, our government may, may, made uh, have made mistakes in making laws that allow them to stay under circumstances that are not great whether it's bureaucratic or overly lenient or whatever they're here so like you need to then be a christian and welcome them so they come into your sphere and you can you can do all you can to help them and actually evangelize them as well because we we do see people come through if if you are trying to show that olive branch and the love of christ you can you can hold that really lovely welcoming hospitable compassionate view whilst holding a strong view critiquing the system I know that that would be quite a hard conversation to have. If you literally imagine if you're campaigning against immigration on, on, you know, on a Saturday and then on a Sunday, 
you're then having this conversation. Oh, it's so great to have you because it kind of it is great to have you. You're a person, mm. and we we are made in the image of God. We love you, and we want you to come and meet Christ. Mm. We also don't think it's a great thing societally, and longer term, it's going to have worse effects. So the, yeah. the final thing I'll just say, I'm going to pass back to you. The kind of reason the people on the right speak out about this, the people who vote Brexit hardline, really don't like immigration. It's because they're worried about the long-term implications for their children, for their society. Because they think, well, they're saying, you know, we, if you look at history 50 years ago, that's what people were saying would happen. These kind of changes would happen. We had that famous speech by, what's his name? Enoch Powell, who kind of, you know, got in massive trouble for saying, you know, in, in so many, 20 years time, this is going to be, you know, he said some actually racist things, I think, or at least parroted racist things that someone else was saying. So it was a bit of a problem for a politician to do that. Um but nonetheless, he, he, when he reflected on that famous speech, he said, oh, I actually was underestimating. Ten years later, he said, oh, the figures I, I quoted at the time of this many people coming in, I, I was grossly underestimating them. And people since then have gone, oh, goodness, uh, Powell was actually saying things, yeah, that were, if mm. he could see what it was like now, we have something like, is it like two, at least 200,000 um, immigrants coming in per year in the UK? And that that was not really foreseeable it wasn't planned that that was going to happen so obviously there's various crises that have happened that have meant that's happened but i just think that you know it's a long it's thinking longer term so many politicians go i don't want to get in trouble for feeling like a mean person so i'm going to just kick this down the down the curb for another generation to deal with and i think that's a bit of an issue because it longer term it does affect Mm. societies so what what kind of society do we want are we even thinking about it yeah. By the way, I'm afraid that you've done an Enoch, Enoch Powell and, and underestimated migration because I just did a very quick, uh, very quick Google, and mm. uh, as you know, because that's the way you find anything. Uh, oh yeah. And uh, net migration to the United Kingdom in uh, the year ending June 2022 mm. was 504,000. Oh my goodness! I thought it so was half a million. Half a million. Wow. Half a million. See, I mean, I mean, that's the thing. Like, how can you just go? Let's welcome everyone, and that's just. <clears throat> What that just massively changes things, and also yeah. you don't know if they are they all legal. Is that is that legal or illegal? I, um, I think that includes everything. That was everything. that's Reuters are reporting right. government right. figures, which okay. were so that includes yeah. everything. But the other mm. piece as well, of course, that this I, and I think it's interesting, as you say, all it all get all these things get stuck together. Mm. The other piece that's often not not talked around, of course, is that uncontrolled migration or even controlled migration that's not controlled properly, there's also, not only does it, you've got the issues locally with services and integration, all those other pieces that mm. are often not talked about carefully, there's also the damage you're doing to the countries that folks are coming from. I mean, I... Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so my, my first job was working for the health service uh, back in the, like, kind of, this was the late 1990s, early 2000s. And I um, remember even then, just sort of wryly observing all these wonderful, and they were wonderful, brilliant, particularly Filipino nurses, loads of nurses in the hospital. Mm. I worked into the Philippines, uh, and we had, you know, lots of medical staff from other parts of the world. But I remember it occurring to me then, again, well, hang on just a moment. Um, is, the, is it right that we're taking the brightest and the best out of those countries so that their services therefore struggle. And you, mm. if you listen carefully, you'll find you often will hear some of those countries, other parts of the world do actually protest about the fact that the West is basically strip mining. Yeah. yeah. And the, actually one of the funniest moments I ever saw, I, th- I think, again, I think it was the mid two thousands was, I mean, we've been doing this for years in the UK was Australia 
did the same trick to us. So Australia ran an advertising campaign recruiting teachers from the UK. And it was, and the advert was something, I remember the advert was something along the lines of showing somebody teaching in a classroom. It was a grey day, you know, rude students, rain mm. on the window, mm. it was cold and miserable. Mm. And then it cut to, oh, you could come to. It was Gold Coast, <laughs> beaches, surf, you know, and uh, lovely smiling students. And it was basically uh, unapologetic. Gra- and what was interesting, the media here complained. Yeah. I think the government complained, yeah. the media was so it's totally unfair. And then I remember thinking, but hang on, we've been Fascinating, the same yeah. for a long, yeah. long time. We just don't like it when it's um Absolutely. when it's done to us. But there is that this is I think the issue with one of the issues as we get into our last five mm. minutes around migration. We as Christians and the society as well, but Christians should mm. surely know better, we don't like complexity. No. And to really solve the migration issue, we are gonna have to do some really tough work. We have to make some tough choices and some unpopular choices. We're going to have to roll our sleeves up and get working with countries in difficult parts of the world. And go, okay, how can we help? You know, how can we work with Albania so that, you know, on that end of things, we are not seeing tens of thousands of young men, you know, decide that they want to head towards the boats. Now, yeah. there's only a degree to which you could do that, but that's a much harder discussion. Mm. How can we make the moral decision to go, okay, we could take lots of Filipino nurses or nurses from other parts of the world because our health service needs nurses. Or we could go, you know what? We're not going to do that because that is robbing somebody else's healthcare system to support ours just because we're a rich Western country and we're going to live with the consequences of figuring out how to train more. Those are big pieces. And it's yeah. much easier simply to tweet, you know, Christians should show hospitality to, and welcome refugees. It, yeah. In a one sense, that's not wrong, no. but it's so simplistic um a bit like on sexuality the kind of well you know love is love well this is true but actually much more is required than 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 sound bites and but social media and media has encouraged us to be very shallow culture we don't think we reduce everything to sound bites you're either a baddie or a goodie depending on the stance you take on an issue Mm. rather again i would love to see christians in the church beginning so how do we create spaces where we can talk about an issue like migration and as long as you're not saying something ludicrously you know, out, 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 outrageous um, and inciting violence or something. You know, we can go, let's sit around and talk around the table together and figure yeah. these issues mm. out. I think there's a mm. space in society right now, if the church took it missionally, to try and create a space where we can have big conversations yeah. about these things with, with respect and, and, and welcome. In, fact, really, in the name of Christ. That's a really, that's a really good point, Andy. Just you know, yeah. well, I made it. Of course, it's a good. Point. <laughs> that's why you should vote for Andy Bannister. <laughs> vote for Andy Bannister. Vote, yes. Now. Actually, no, thank you. I the Bannister Party yeah. puns, pun, the pun party. And um, no, I think just to close in, I, I think that's a really good point to get it back to even the issue of love, because I think that's all, that that's the key word that is Christians. <laughs> Christians have a, a unique perspective on love, don't we? Um, and we, we, that's always been the case. That's how that's what the, the heart of the gospel is. It's impacted culture. And it's also the most co-opted and abused word today in the same-sex marriage debates, include everyone regardless of the implications. Um, and just accept, affirm gay marriage and everything's fine. It's similar to immigration. Affirm and accept everyone or welcome everyone. If you don't, you must be a bad person. You must not be loving. As you've pointed out, why, there's a wider issues about what love means beyond your own nation, beyond those situations, and also it, it it can just be very naive to assume that not only that everyone's story is is great and they're going to be great for the society, but it's definitely not great for their society they're leaving. I saw a documentary, yeah, interviewing Albanian fathers even saying that my children have left. You know, even leaders of football teams saying we don't have an under 19s team anymore because all the young men feel at that age they feel like they need to go. 
and I don't, that's not good for us. And so you're right, there's wider issues of what love means. And, and Christians, if they're going to kind of wrestle with this issue, avoiding the dangers of the extremist views, which are, are often dehumanizing of migrants, how can Christians actually have a, a, a kind of wiser approach here, which is able to have a strong line for the good of society, for the good of our loving our neighbor, for the good of our society here and societies abroad, that we can really recapture what love is and, and show that to the world, welcoming migrants whilst also challenging the ways that uh, some of these policies are not going to be good for our society and for people longer term. Um, so there we are. Um, immigration, done. We've sorted it. Uh, you know, Andy, you're muted. So you're talking at me. Um, and that's, that's clearly, a great that's place. A, that's prophetic. That's prophetic. That I'm was prophetic. That was, um, that was teach me to hit the meat bird. And yeah, that's a great place, I think, to, to bring it to an end. And, and the really good news as well. Uh, Aaron, that we should tell people is that no kittens were harmed in the making of this episode. <laughs> that is true. That is, well, I can't see everything on your screen, so you know it's it's possible you were harming a kitten at some point, and I didn't know. But at least yeah. I can I can confirm that what from what I've seen, Andy didn't hurt a kitten, and I presume Absolutely. I didn't from his view. Unless there's one hiding in my beard sometime. Indeed, somewhere. it could well be. Well, anyway, we have indeed. been part of the gaps. Uh, <laughs> that's been Aaron's beard. And uh, yes, I hope you found it helpful and stimulating. And if you want to write angry letters, you can direct them to uh, Cliff College, uh, and uh, where Aaron <laughs> and he will happily receive them, especially the ones written in crayon. Um, but otherwise, and so we'll less, of course. Yes. So less too. We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time um, for another episode, another tough uh, issue. So thanks for listening. Goodbye from me. Farewell. Well.